Hey guys, I'm just here at Elemental hanging out with a good friend of mine, Michael Sanders. We're going to be hanging out today, we're going to do a podcast, it's going to be free-flowing, so we might jump in the sauna, jump in the ice bath, chill on the Big Joes, and just chat about life, about some of the things that Mike's up to, and some of the things that I'm super passionate about as well, so um, stay tuned. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so I guess, just for those listening in, again, this is Michael Sanders, very, very interesting guy, um, well, I think so anyways. <laughs> To many people, um, we met uh, a couple years ago when he was um, in the process of launching his first book. At the time, I was working with a, a website, and he had reached out, or somehow we got connected. And I was actually looking for someone to interview um, who is more of an entrepreneur or in the business world, and you know, our paths just met synchronistically. Um, but yeah, why don't you tell us a bit about who you are and? Uh, mm-hmm. About your backstory and what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah, that was actually five years ago. Five years. We met. Feels like a lifetime. Um. Yeah, I was at the time. I was I was writing my. Well, I think I'd probably already written it. My my book Ayahuasca, and Executives Enlightenment. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to help get exposure for it. And then, serendipitously, you said you were looking to interview uh, an entrepreneur who had familiarity with plant medicines particularly ayahuasca for your documentary and um psyched out which ended up coming out i mean what that was like 2019 or 2018 that it came out we actually released it at the end of 2018 yeah yeah it's just been on youtube for free so it's actually going to be listed on gaia this nice. month yeah nice yeah. it's an amazing movie by the way and um yeah but um my life really revolves around play so i you know, I, rather than perceiving anything as an obligation or something that I need to do, I, I recognize that everything we do is a choice. Um, and just a simple analogy I like to make is with respect to taking out the trash. You know, it's like I could perceive that as, oh, I have to take out the trash. Or I could think of it as I get to take out the garbage to enhance the vibe of my house. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a playful experience, I find, because it's something I'm doing for enjoyment. And um, so I, I start every day with play um like a very obvious form of play that then helps shift or help me helps me adopt the mindset of having a playful day so i'll wake up and i meditate for a bit each morning and then i'll play with movement um whether it's like this morning i did gymnastic like i have rings hanging in my house so i was doing gymnastic strength training or i'll or i'll weight lift or i'll dance my house is set up so that like the main room is like beautiful empty space for dancing um or I'll you know, do hand balancing or yoga, just some squash, like some form of movement. And then, uh, yeah, I go into my office where I'm a co-founder and the chief storyteller of a company called Horizon Blockchain Games. So we're, we're pioneering a new dimension of, of gaming that belongs to its players and creators. And our, our ethos is really about co-creating a reality that's open, inclusive, loving, fair, and transparent where everyone's empowered to create, contribute, and affect positive growth. And how we're doing that is through a uh, video game called Skyweaver, um, in which the game items, so it's a trading card game like Pokemon, if you're familiar with that, but a digital format, and the cards themselves are in fact cryptocurrencies. So this means that... So will they go up in value? Like They could potentially, yeah. Some of the items, some of the rarer cosmetic items, um, 
but it's, it's really cool because you can play the game for free and by being skilled at the game you can win and unlock new cards that become your property and you can sell these items you can play with them you can trade them we've uh, we supply a, a wallet as well currently called Arcadium um, and and yeah because like right now gamers spend 32 billion dollars a year in traditional video games on items like cards swords costumes whatever uh, and they don't actually own any of those items you know they pay for them but they can't trade them they can't sell them a lot of games if you try to even sell your account to somebody else the game publisher will ban your account if they find oh. out that you did that so it's it's really like there's no ownership and we just think that this model's antiquated you know like if you pay for something you should own it um, and yeah so we're enabling that and so by playing a free play game you could actually um, not only just have a ton of fun playing it but you could actually earn something of value that you could then use to you could let's say buy items in other games or you could convert that into like Canadian dollars or whatever or wherever you're from and then pay for your rent or go on a trip or whatever right mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of the first the first phase of it um, but I think that that new dimension is going to expand in ways that uh, we're just beginning to imagine. And it's really awesome. exciting. Awesome. So how did you get into that kind of stuff? Like, you know, like when I met you, you were involved, I think, in a power company. You just yeah, left an advertising energy. company, yeah. an advertising executive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so what did that journey look like for you? And to, you know, I, you seem super happy now. You're doing something you're passionate yeah. about. Um, I think from what I understand from you, it took you a while just trying to find out what you really wanted to do mm -hmm. after you left the advertising agency. Yeah. Do you want to give us a backstory of like hitting that um, point of needing a change desperately yeah. in your life and then finding plant medicine, making some other changes, mm -hmm. dancing, playing, yeah. Yeah, so um, at the start of 2013, I was working as the vice president of an advertising agency. I was the co-founder of a startup in the gambling industry um not even into gambling but not that i have anything against it but like i was just you know it seemed like a good uh, business idea but not really like true to my my heart um and at that time i was training athletically and intensely about 14 times per week i was trying to achieve a one-arm handstand uh, a one-arm chin-up a 400 pound squat i was trying to service my advertising clients i was trying to build this startup I was never resting, never relaxing, no yoga, no meditation. I didn't take a single day off for 20 consecutive months. like, And I just thought that if I ever felt tired, that that was an indication that I wasn't working hard enough. Because if I had been working hard enough, then I would have the capacity to be able to handle the load that was making me tired. So me being tired was a sign of weakness, is how oh. I perceived it back then. Um, th so was there like... Like, I guess now in retrospect, like, that type of mentality and work habit, like, was that, like, a product of, like, your youth or growing up? Or, like, finding mm -hmm. worth and, like, like yeah. how did you get to that to that point? Was there something that was driving you? Um, I think... Hmm. A lot of people get there and they don't know why. Like, it's a very similar story here all the time. It's, yeah. like, just, like, push the brain, push. like, expectations from parents or, like, wanting to, like, prove yourself or feeling, like, yeah. self-worth or, like... I I mean, my my parents never put that kind of pressure on me, you know, like they were they were very loving and supportive and encouraging of anything that I found interest in, but I just always knew that I just I wanted to do something great and I think 
maybe it, it wasn't exactly in the domains that I was focusing on, but that I thought like, maybe if I just like push hard enough at this, I can find the greatness that's there, you know? And I wasn't finding it. So I'm like, okay, like maybe just work harder and then you'll achieve that like massive breakthrough that's gonna have a big impact, you know? Um, and yeah, I think I think kind of my, my soul was yearning for something else and something more, but I wasn't quiet enough to listen to it. So I just thought like just power harder in the same direction. And um, it ultimately reached a, a breaking point because for a number of months I felt exhausted. Like um, I just, you know, I was sleeping 10 hours each night and the sound of my alarm clock in the morning felt like a sick joke. Like it, it felt as though I just shut my eyes and then I was having to wake up. My legs felt heavy. I, I was 26 and I wasn't getting boners anymore. Like, um, and the, the real breaking point came on February, I think it was February 2nd, 2013. I was making love with a beautiful woman that I had wanted to have that experience with for a while and uh, I couldn't get a boner. And I was like, this this is fucked I'm 26 you know and um and then that day afterwards I went to go to the gym and I wanted to lift this one weight like five sets of five reps so 25 reps total I couldn't lift it even once and so I had been experiencing symptoms but I was kind of in denial I'm like oh I'll just keep working harder but this sign this like that day was a sign like okay dude something is seriously like wrong right now mm -hmm. you don't feel like yourself and um I actually resolved at that moment, I'm like, I'm going to put a bullet in my brain if I can't figure out how to feel like myself again with it. And then I gave myself a two-year timeline. Well, you have two years to figure this out, you know? And so the next day I went and consulted with this guy named Lovedeep, a natural health practitioner, and he got me to focus on play. Like, that was the big thing. He's like, Michael, he's like, okay, clearly you love movement. Like, you're doing all this stuff, like, 14 times per week. He's like, but he's like, are you ever playing? He's like, why did you get into it in the first place? I'm like, because it's a lot of fun and I, it's fun to move your body, you know? And he's like, okay. He's like, well, let's like focus on play. So rather than being so goal oriented, try things that don't have a goal and also like scale back how much you work out to like five days a week instead of 14. And so, you know, that's when I started paying more attention to dancing and things like rock climbing and just like doing it for the sake of enjoyment rather than needing to achieve something in particular. Um, and then I, you know, I developed a daily meditation practice and within about the span of four months, I, uh, I started feeling like myself again, cause he really encouraged me. He's like, you don't need to figure it all out today. Just start heading in the right direction. And as long as tomorrow you feel a little bit better than today, then like you're already healed, you know, you're on that trajectory. So yeah, within a few months felt good again. Um, it, it was tough but like I knew where I was going. And then uh, I ended up at Burning Man for the first time, which uh, just, you know, changed my life forever. I've been there five times now since. And um, But then after returning from Burning Man is when I went down to the Peruvian Amazon and, and drank ayahuasca, which, um, yeah, that shattered my previous paradigm of reality and showed me something so far beyond my wildest imagination that now informs my entire way of being and is ultimately the reason why you and I met as well. Yeah, it's interesting once you see like all the connections that certain things are making your life and you, mm -hmm. can, you can, you know, like bring them back to like some very specific points. Like, like this place is one of them for me, like the whole process of opening Elemental 
it's like so arduous. There's so many times I doubted myself. There's so many times where it's like I may never make money here. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the intention. The intention was to create a space that I loved working in every day that I can help people and make it sustainable so I can create an income to support the place and support myself and then like have a community around it. It wasn't like to get super rich or like maximize profits. Mm-hmm. Well, a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows, maybe one day we'll open more. But um, we're thinking about it right now, actually. Um, but when I look at all the things that came out of this place, like other opportunities, like teaching opportunities, networking opportunities, like just meeting like cool mm-hmm. people that have come through here, mm-hmm. it's like it's paid itself a million times over, right? Of course, man. Um, and ayahuasca is another one for me. Like doing mm-hmm. ayahuasca, creating that sort of thread where it opens you up to meet other people like in that space that yeah. they can sort of have a different understanding um, of what that's like. And um, yeah, just so many, so many things. Like for us, like that was one of yeah. them, right? Um, and I guess uh, around that question is, what was your experience uh, with psychedelics before you had done ayahuasca, and like, mm-hmm. and like then like how was ayahuasca different and changing? Yeah, it was, I mean, so I started experimenting with psychedelics when I was fourteen years old um, with marijuana, um, but you know I didn't classify it as a psychedelic. I um, I guess the first like psychedelic, at least how I perceived it back then, uh, was when I was sixteen and I ate magic mushrooms and that was one of the defining moments of my life it showed me the interconnectedness of all things and I like I was in a horse pasture and I like pressed my eye my forehead to the forehead of a horse and we connected third eyes I didn't know that terminology back then but I just felt that we were one and we were communicating and like we were synced with the stars and the clouds and the trees and the grass and um that was yeah it was magical um and and then I had a number of experiences with mushrooms and LSD and MDMA and all of them were incredibly enriching. Like oftentimes some of my, they were my favorite experiences, you know, like true presence and that interconnection. Um, but none of them, I never did any of them in like a ceremonial context. They were all a bit more recreational. And then ayahuasca was the first the first like ceremonial experience where I prepared for it for I mean now I think my whole life is what I was preparing for but like knowingly three months and I was kind of like setting the intention for three months like entering into the ayahuasca diet not for the three months but like for three two or three weeks beforehand but just knowing I was going there and you know meditating with the expectation of I am going down here and um, everything leading into it and then that um, intention and commitment and respect to the plant medicine um, really yielded wonderful results um, I think just her like mother ayahuasca's um, she was just very appreciative of me showing her that much respect and what would you say changed after so you went in you were you were still sort of figuring out this play thing were you still mm-hmm. sort of like depressed or anxious no no I was, I was feeling great by the time I went in like I was just like I was on cloud nine already and then I um but my intentions during my first ceremony were to gain some more clarity on my life's path because I like I enjoyed advertising but I knew it wasn't um the be all and end all for me and I um that that gambling startup it was it wasn't really getting off the ground you know so I was like asking is it a fear I need to overcome like do I need to push harder and make this thing happen or is it um my intuition telling me that this this project isn't right for me and ayahuasca revealed to me that it was the latter um yeah, I won't I guess I won't go into like the full details of the ayahuasca ceremony now because you and I've talked about it a lot but I mean 
they were like beings of other dimensional beings of just infinite kind. So wah, so wah, wah, <laughs> Yeah, Ikaro singing and like... <laughs> I remember that from editing the documentary yeah. so many times. You said so well, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, and all of these beings um, were each articulating some aspect of love, collectively communicating love as a whole and revealing to me, helping me remember that the fabric of our universe is love, that it's the creative force behind all things. Um, responsible for the Big Bang and every one of its predecessors, galaxies being born, like children being born, art, business, like all of it is love. And um, that really instilled me with a deep sense of peace, just knowing like this existence, all of it is like a creative expression of love. And it really took away any of the pressure to do anything. And that's when I like fully embodied the, the play um, mindset and soul set that like just play like this is, that's have fun and mm -hmm. enjoy the experience there's nothing that needs to be done it's just about enjoyment um and i guess kind of touching back on one of your earlier questions of like how that you know tied in with blockchain and everything is that i got interested in cryptocurrency and blockchain back in 2010 when i first started bitcoin this decentralized currency that was not controlled by any central authority which i found incredibly promising especially at that time um you know i remember you telling me about it like in 2017 like hey you know like you should put some money in or like look at look at this it's really interesting like to support because you knew what i was into and i was like i don't know anything about it but i'm just gonna take michael sanders advice <laughs> yeah. and i just bought a few coins and just like i've been holding on to it ever since but i did see like not only a good return on my investment, but it opened my eyes to like that whole world of like cryptography, blockchain, and you know storing value mm -hmm. outside of like uh, the centralized system. You know, sure. And and it goes even further. I think with like the Ethereum blockchain is that it's it's programmatic, and you can create other applications rather than just um, a currency. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, but yeah, I saw such promise in those technologies back then. I just saw them as. Um, like having such incredible potential for like real liberation from archaic economic structures political sociocultural where rather than us needing to entrust a small few it's just distributed and decision making and and ownership is distributed um and, and power like it's it's really enabling greater equal opportunity do you think one day there'll be a blockchain for like po politics and like voting where like like yeah. people can like put a vote in and like so. yeah. know that it's sort of like fair and real and yeah and, and like you know like a decision like once I find like once pretty much someone's in politics they have so much say in what happens whereas like everything that comes up to okay let's get everyone to sort of like chime in with technology and like yeah and blockchain you think that's a, a potential I do yeah I definitely think it's a potential in terms of governance and yeah, and like seeing things through and with smart contracts, you can ensure that um, particular results are achieved before other initiatives are occur. So, you know, if there's some sort of payment mechanism, for example, like until something, until a, a predetermined goal is achieved, only then will the money be unlocked, right? And mm -hmm. you can't manipulate that. So it ensures that you follow through on your promises, whereas... You know, in today's government, I'm sure there are many people trying their best, but it could obviously be a lot better. Um, and, and so in one of those contracts, how does someone verify that something has happened? Well, I mean, there's a, a number of different ways. It could be like 
the ideal scenario is a decentralized oracle, which we're still working on. Like, um, I mean, not necessarily me in particular, but uh, people working on the Ethereum blockchain, where it would the oracle would be able to determine whether or not something had been met, and then the smart contract would execute. Hmm. Um, right now, there there's different. Is it like an AI type thing? Could or like, be, yeah. yeah. Um, or pre-programmatic, um, and. And yeah, like one of the, I think one of the most exciting things about blockchain is like how nascent it is. It's only 10 years old and it's all like already seeing the potential for it. And that's where like we really want to come in at Horizon is a lot of it might sound or seem esoteric to a number of people. And it's, you know, it's technically advanced and it's quite challenging to wield blockchain technologies like they're they're cumbersome there's asynchronous data they're they're not easy to use right and so we want to just abstract all of that difficulty away and just say like here's a game mm. and you just play it and like and it just for the record like it's a fun video we want it to stand on its own even if there were no blockchain and mm -hmm. like it's just a really fun game and and then people will be like they'll own the sky reaver cards and, and that's where the blockchain comes in it's the ownership, exactly ownership. yeah um and so you make sure that it's like encrypted ownership yeah yeah i mean it's in their wallet like yeah. we it's not in ours we can't even access so it's it. the yeah. same I ideal like uh, ideology or philosophy as like crypto coins as, yeah. as yeah, a totally. store value but exactly them putting them into the game exactly do you think those will ever be traded on like an exchange or something like that or yeah, yeah no, be I mean, traded within the game for sure like we are so we have a decentralized exchange that we've built into the game so okay. it's like just you can trade with other players inside the game has its own exchange inside the oh, game, okay. but then there are also other decentralized exchanges like one called OpenSea and there are more and more coming online but yeah you can just go on OpenSea and you can trade your cards there as oh, well cool. um, so that's what's really cool is like you know, our three company values are love, openness, and play. And with respect to openness, it's this concept that the world and collaboration can achieve and create far more than any individual entity could. And I think it's a good, like, entry point for people to see how it works, to play. Yeah. It's not a huge, like, there's no risk really involved. No, you don't have but, to pay anything. But once you get comfortable with that, then you can see how it can lead or, or, or um, like, transmute into other applications. Right? Exactly. Yeah, once they see that it get familiar with um, with using it in the game. Yeah, and the, and the way like I often look at it is, you know, very few people in the world understand what the HTTP protocol of the internet is. You know, like before your web address, it says HTTP. Mm -hmm. And like very few people understand how that works, right? But everyone, virtually everyone knows how to use the internet mm -hmm. and they're using it every single day of their lives. And the applications that now exist that are connected to the internet are would have been unfathomable mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Like think of Uber Eats or just Uber or Airbnb, like sharing our resources. Like that's that wasn't a thing. And similarly, I think with blockchain, we're like very early days and what will come from it. Um, we hope to inspire a lot of that creativity through mm -hmm. fun and through play. Amazing. Yeah, one podcast that I've been really into lately is um, Starting Greatness with Mike Maples. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one so, too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. It just shows all these startups and like yeah. all of the um, pivots they've had to make and mm -hmm. sort of listening and feedback and just mm -hmm. adapting. Um, and these are some of the biggest um, companies. Totally. And they're all like tech, mainly tech-based companies. Yeah. And, and the internet has allowed that. And it's allowed this this really exponential growth mm -hmm. um, into new spaces, like you said, like using resources. And like um, it's like... It's like another dimension to life, almost. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. it's like another like sense in reality. It's like totally. it's like the sixth or seventh sense. It's like the internet, where it's just like yeah. 
it's not re- anything real and tangible, but it's, it exists in everyone's life. Totally. You know, and it's this connecting force. Yeah. We'll change gears a bit. Um, you know, what about like talking about some of your like, and you're kind of psychonaut as well, like some of like mm-hmm. the most profound like psychedelic experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there one that stands out among mm-hmm. among them? Yeah, it was actually um, in December. Uh, this year? Yeah. My girlfriend and I went to uh, Tulum, Mexico, and we were staying at our friend's place in the jungle, like totally off-grid, no electricity, doesn't even have a fridge, um, and it's in the jungle right on the ocean. So like the ocean's just like lapping in and this beautiful deck like it's essentially a hut with like concrete floors so it's like a permanent fixture but thatch roofing um and there were a number of our friends there maybe like eight in total and I think the first day we arrived we went on this uh LSD journey and um yeah my girlfriend and I we she often I, I've seen in psychedelic experiences before she starts like playing with something over here and like it's definitely she's interacting with something right like she's not just moving her hand and I started looking at it and then I could see what she was playing with and it was this like translucent very multicolored like iridescent sort of plasma and it was like the fabric of reality sort of thing of three dimensional reality and I could see her hand like manipulating it and like impacting it. And then I felt her consciousness like starting to connect. And she kept like moving and I could see in her consciousness, she was like, oh, I, I think you can see what I'm doing right now. And then I was like, I'm like, why does she only think that I can see? Like, how does she not know that I can see, right? I'm like, I must not be making it obvious enough. So then I thought, okay, well, how do we make it more obvious? We weren't speaking words. And then we started, our consciousness started coming like closer and closer together. And like there was less sense of individuality and more into this merging. And it was as though I was looking down this like tunnel almost, but not with my eyes. Like with, I don't know what form of awareness, but I could see this tunnel, almost like this vignette, like a, in a tunnel. And... I could see these like two figures and then I was coming closer and closer to her and like she was coming closer and closer to me and then we were almost like fully merged where there was only as close to it being one entity and not two and then I just had this realization if I go any further that might be it like I don't I don't know what's happening after that you know I don't know if there's a return I don't know what will happen um but, and I was very ready to do that, especially with her. Yeah, you know, she's like she's she is the most important person in the world to me, and just yeah, absolutely miraculous being. And I, yeah, so I surrendered into that, and then we we merged, and immediately, man, the deepest sobbing, like full release of sobbing, like I been with you where I've seen you fully release into laughter like a deep deep laughter right and this was like 
the equivalent, I would say, of like in a sobbing way, but equally wonderful. It's not like the, the sobbing isn't a bad thing. It's like a, a full release. And, um, and we were one thing. And there was no we anymore. It was just one. And it, we, I, I'll use these terms interchangeably, but just had this realization of being so deeply humble that I had ever thought I had known anything prior to this. You know, any any notion I thought I had of something. It's so interesting. Like, people think the more you do psychedelics, you get answers. I just think you get more questions. It's like, yeah. you know less and less. And like, yeah. it's like, okay, wow. Like, Mm-hmm. My beliefs before were so limiting. Just to think that I could answer a question like, yeah. like an existential question. It's just like, no, like I know nothing about anything. Yeah, yeah, and um, and yeah. So it was really humbling, and that's where like a lot of the tears were. Um, and then, dude, we were. It's crazy. There's one, like I'll just for the sake of conversation, I'll call it a head, and I could see. Like, it was like both of us were in this head, this dome, and we could see out in all directions, but we could also see inwards in all directions, and I could see through her eyes, and she could see through my eyes, and then I could see through my own, and she could see through her own, and it was as though we were like the consciousness that was controlling this vehicle of some sort, and and also just for the right in the physical space like what we were doing going into it is we were coming closer and closer like our faces were like this like this far apart um but i mean i'm convinced that if someone else were to have walked into the room our physical heads were like in one the same place at the same time and like it seems impossible in the third dimension but i also think that's probably why no one walked in is that it was like beyond space and time and um did I ever tell you I had a dream about you guys in yeah. a room where you guys were like sitting and like you guys were like mm-hmm. I told you that yeah, right yeah you did man and um yeah and when we do that a lot we just like look at each other for a long time sometimes one time it was eight hours straight no but I've never really hung out with you guys in that context like to know that no I know yeah you just you just told me you had the dream and I was laughing I'm like yeah we do that all the time and um, but yeah in that space and then we were it was very interesting because the consciousness like all was going through these contemplations of like life and death and then any question that arise it was like immediately absorbed into the all it was like yep that's part of it like yep that's part of it like what about death like what about this and it was just like yep that's part of the all like yep 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 and there was like nothing bad or good it was just all part of it and um, it was interesting though, like when we would contemplate the death of ourselves or one another, the faces that we could see from this, they would immediately like they'd frown, like wow. physical faces. And then when we would think like, but it's okay because you don't, it, nothing ever ends. It just changes form, and like you're always together. It's all one anyway. And then faces would smile, and it was almost like marionettes, like controlling wow. these things. And we we're both merged in this space together. Um, and and it wasn't just us either though it wasn't just two people it was like the all consciousness experiencing it for everyone and that was and then 
you think LSD is more prone to these types of journeys where you can really explore consciousness more, um, I guess, actively rather than like feel like ayahuasca? Well, I guess more ayahuasca now for me because I have a lot more experience. This is less me getting taken for a ride where I can interact with it a little bit more. Mm. Do you think there's any difference there as far as like the experience itself and like navigating? Do you understand the question? Yeah, I do. I think, um, well, yeah, just as an example, like with 5, I think 5-MEO might be the easiest to compare it to where it kind of feels like you're just taken for a ride. Or you're taken to no <laughs> ride. Um, or like NNDMT, right? Like you're taken on this ride through the infinite cosmos, all these cosmic other dimensions. Shit, yeah. yeah, and so, and then, uh, and, and LSD, it, it onsets more slowly. That's for sure, right? Like, I guess I've always found, um, like on this journey here, like you know, mm-hmm. dose that you t- took, you know, roughly. Yeah. It was like one point three tap. Like it was um, probably the tabs of what one hundred twenty mics. Like Something like that. So it's probably like 150 micrograms. Okay, it's not super crazy. But no. It's, it's and like I've done a lot more in the past. That's the thing. Like I never have found psychedelics to be dose dependent. Yeah. yeah. I always see it as an invitation and then you're set and set. Yeah, like I think there's a certain amount you need to get past right. that like threshold. Yeah. But then after that, it's like mm-hmm. 150 could be more profound than like a 300 exactly. on set setting where you at what energy is like flowing through you the space you're in yeah exactly and then afterwards my my girlfriend gave me um, just like literally the most special physical gift I've ever been given um, and I guess I'm just being sensitive to saying her name and the details of the gift since this will be public and I don't want to it's fine you know so I won't go into that, but it was just like really special because it was like this merging, and then she gave me something that, just like on the deepest, deepest level, showed me how much she knows me. Even though I already knew she like that, but it was just like just such a beautiful expression and mm-hmm. so sweet. And um, but yeah, it was like being in the the oneness of all with someone, right? Because I've I've had the experience where like on my own, fully surrender with God or with one or with all but then this was like finding that by merging with another human it's interesting because that that opens another a whole other dimension of awareness that is possible because sometimes in these trips you're like is it just me right am I just like hallucinating yeah you know like I feels like I'm having this immersive experience and, and, and connecting with like all that is but when you do it mm-hmm. with another it's like okay wow we can both tap into this so it makes it a lot more like real Definitely. In a sense, real is a good word for it, but yeah, um, yeah, that's that's super interesting. What about like um, like bad trips? Have you ever had like a really like terrifying trip? I don't like the word bad trips. I think they're all good. Yeah. Like like they all have lessons and learning for sure. Um, any like terrifying trips? Yeah, the, that really stood out? the only one that I ever at any point called a bad trip was when I was because like you, I think those bad trips are necessary and they actually teach you something and then you're kind of purging that darkness or overcoming something. But it was when I was, uh, I think, 17 or 18 years old, and it was it was a mushroom trip in which I was... So this was, like, 15 years ago. And I was already, like, high from marijuana, and I'd been drinking. I was at a high school party. And um, I ended up eating, like, 0.5 of a gram of mushrooms. And my friend didn't even want to give it to me. Like, my, a, a few of my friends had already gone on a full journey. Like, they were coming down the tail end. And I was becoming 
who I was telepathic with my friend Nick at the time. And we were telepathically communicating and we were saying like, hey, watch, like that person over there is going to like set their beer down there and then go talk to this girl. And then that girl's gonna laugh and then she's gonna go grab her friend. And we were telepathically saying this and we watched it all unfold. And then we were thinking, okay, are we controlling it? Or are we, are we predicting it? Like what, how much agency do we have in this experience or are we just observing it? And, and then because he was on mushrooms, I thought to myself, oh, I want to get on your level. So I'm going to take the mushrooms. Not realizing obviously I already, already was on his level if we were having that experience together. So then I took this, my, my, my friend Greg was like, I don't want to give this to you. I think it's a bad idea. And I was like, dude, you just give me half of, you have a whole bunch. Like what's the problem? You know, I'm like, I'll pay you for it if you want. He's like, it's not about that, man. And he didn't even know why he was resistant. You know, he told me after the fact, he's like, I just had this bad feeling, you know? And and then so eventually I convinced him to give me this half gram, which is like, for those who haven't done it, it, it for a lot of people it would seem like a negligible amount, you know, or especially if it's your first time. Like some people will microdose with that or less now because they have an awareness with it, but it's, um, it certainly wouldn't be typically considered like a psychedelic experience. Um, and I, yeah, I ate it, and then I was, next thing I knew I was being dropped off in my driveway at home um, when I, you know, lived at my parents' house back then. And I don't remember the drive home, but I was I was in my driveway, and I looked at my house, which like I grew up loving, but in that moment, this voice just entered my awareness, saying, "Do not walk into that burning inferno." And I was like, "Okay, but where else am I going to go? It's like two in the morning, you know." And and so I knew I was going into it. Like I knew I'm going to enter this inferno. <laughs> it's pretty fucked, you know. Pretty ominous, and. Um, I walk in and then I just felt this voice saying, do not look at the mirror. I don't know, well, obviously I'm gonna look at the mirror, you know, tell me that. And like, I look at the mirror in my, my parents' house and the reflection is me and behind me this wall of sand that's just like falling, just falling. It's like, it's like the illusion of the third dimension of physicality is just dissolving. And then there was these, I didn't know this, like I didn't know what Sanskrit was, but there was this Sanskrit word written in the sand as it was like falling. And then I would like turn to look and I would just see the door, because like that's what it was. But then I'd look in the mirror and I could see that. And I was like, fuck. And then, I mean, what ended up happening is I, I kind of started feeling like very afraid, very anxious, and then realizing that I was the sole existing being in the universe and that all things were a figment of my imagination. And then I was like, fuck, I don't want that to be true. So I went to go wake up my mom. And I knew where she would be. I'm like, oh, I know she's going to be on the couch and she's going to be asleep. Because I started having this more omnipresent form of awareness that was more than just Michael's physical awareness. And so I, I could see where she was. So I walk in and I go to wake her up and I can't wake her up. So I think like, oh, now that I know... My mom is just a manifestation of what my imagination thinks a mom should be. I can no longer enliven her because the illusion is over. And so I'm shaking her. She's not waking up. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to find my dad. And, like, I run down to the basement. And I know he's going to be on the couch. And I know that when I go to wake him up that he's going to jump. He's going to be startled. And that my brother, who's also sitting down there, he's going to start laughing his head off. And it just happened on cue. And I'm like, fuck. Like, it was terrifying because I'm like, I know that this is happening. And so it felt as though I was governing all of it. And that made me feel so alone and isolated. And I ended up like, I would turn my head to the left and I would be up in my bedroom, which 
required in the physical dimension three flights of stairs, but I wouldn't need to climb them. Like I just turn my head to the left and I'd be in my bedroom. And I turn my head to the right and I'd be in the basement. And so 3D was no longer my. So it sounds like you were experiencing sort of like what appeared to be psychosis. Like <laughs> reality was just like dissolving and like yeah. you didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And it lasted for. Um, probably like four hours, but I had no sense of time. Yeah. It must have felt like forever. Oh, it was eternity. Like, and I remember even seeing my mom, I felt like I was, I was like, I felt like a combination of the Truman Show and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I love both those movies. And Jim Carrey's in both of them, so it was really tripping me out. And my, like, it's so funny because the next- We have such a similar taste in like movies that we love, really. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it was, it was funny because like, you know, I go through this whole experience. Eventually my dad like realizes, because like, he gets out of me that I'm on mushrooms and like I had been trying to tell him. But, so anyway, the next morning, I say to my mom, I'm like, Mom, like, I remember, like, I was in your bathroom, like, I was, I was sobbing, I was like, Mom, like, help me, I'm on mushrooms, like, eternal, I was talking about eternal sunshine, I lost my streaming show, and my mom was like, and I'm like, and, and I said to my mom, like, all you did was laugh at me, and I knew you were going to laugh at me, so it was like torture, and she's like, Mike, she's like, from my perspective, you came into my room, like, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, blah, blah, blah. And like that was her experience. And so I thought I was articulating everything to her, but I was like mumbling. So what was your takeaway after that whole experience? Like, Well, at the time, it was never to do mushrooms again. Cause it was like, and in retrospect, did you, did you gain anything? Oh, like, yeah. Any insights? Yeah. Well, I mean, now, like in some sense, I feel as though we all are the sole existing being in the universe. So it, it helped me tap into the fact that we are the architects of reality. Each of us is, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, I think we're all aspects of one consciousness. Um, and because, like, t- t- now I have experiences all the time, not even just through psychedelics, but meditation, dance, just being here thinking, you know, meditating that um, we are that and mm-hmm. we get to create reality. Yeah. And so, what was terrifying back then? I think I was terrified of the responsibility mm-hmm. back then, you know, I was like, oh shit, you're responsible for everything in your life and everything in existence. And it manifested that in a way that was trying to, like, wake you up a little bit yeah. to reality how, how important do you think it is for people to try to unpack their bad experiences because I know most people that have a bad experience try to like push it back down and like forget about it yeah I mean I because I'm sure you've had okay since then as a psychonaut some pretty intense scary experiences yeah. that I know you, you can navigate them much better now like I think I remember you once telling me about um, an experience where you sort of shifted another reality where you're having a mask on and like you're like a breathing apparatus or just beings, oh, yeah, yeah. and then they're like just put it back on go back oh. to sleep sort of thing yeah yeah it was, it was like you were breaking out the matrix totally yeah yeah well yeah I mean now there's no fear going into the psychedelic experiences like I don't really I experience choice now and discernment, but I don't experience fear. Because like sometimes there are entities that I encounter on psychedelic experiences where I'm like, I don't really want to engage with you, and I'll just send it love. I'm like, I love you, but I'm just not feeling that in this moment. Um, but in terms of like, yeah, unpacking, I mean, personally, man, I think it's essential. Like I would not be, and I don't think it's just psychedelic experience, it's like traumatic experience. Any experience, really. Any experience. Reflect on it. Yeah, like reflect mean? on it. What does it mean? What does it mean to you? How is it going to help you? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, like, if, yeah, you just, you end up suppressing it, and then I think it, 
it manifests. It's gonna come out somehow. Somehow, yeah. And I think it'll just manifest itself in some ugly forms. Like maybe you're just being an asshole to somebody in a moment when you know having like a reaction to somebody and saying like, "Oh, shut up," and then like hurting their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like then it questions like, what is the intention behind doing the psychedelic experience in the first place? You know, and like some people just use it as an escape and they don't care what the experience is. That's why I'm using it more intentionally. Even if something bad comes up, you should really spend the time to try to unpack it a bit and say, okay, why did that come up? What did I have to learn from it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think they're like one of the ultimate forms of therapy. Oh, yeah, that's that's without a doubt. And I think, well, what I think is important too is, is like the way it's gaining such popularity now is that most people don't have an integration practice. They just mm-hmm. hear that it's good. And people get relief or, or answers from just a psychedelic, but I think without proper support network, people you can talk to or like professionals or people that, um, maybe not people, but maybe more of an integration practice of your own where you can like mm-hmm. meditate and like spend time to reflect on it. They're not as powerful as they would be in conjunction with like a, a routine ritual and, and integration. I mean, I, I think the one of the lessons I get increasingly from the psychedelic medicines is that like you are the medicine. Absolutely. It's not it's not that substance. Well that's that why I tell everyone, answer. like like you. like don't look outside yourself for anything. It's exactly. a tool to give you more awareness about yourself. Yeah. So is breath work, so is meditation, exactly. so is you know, fasting, so is everything you do. Yeah. You know, your work environment. I think entrepreneurialism is, is one of the best to me that one of the best tools of, of personal growth how you interact with your customers your clients yourself the people around you the decisions how you market your image like everything what you do when no one's looking yeah and then when you, when you go back and go through it, it's like hey there's so much to learn your attachments the things you're afraid of sure. you know sometimes you're afraid of losing money sometimes you're afraid of what people are going to think of you like yeah. there's so much you can unpack and I realized that when I opened this place you know yeah. when I was under fear of like losing it I think I mentioned that earlier in the podcast um, but yeah, that, that's I think the bottom line is that no one thing is an answer. It's all mm-hmm. tools of awareness. I think totally. that's what life is about: gaining more awareness and yeah. deeper understanding and learning. So, talking about learning, I guess we'll shift gears to wrap it up here. Um, what do you want to learn about? Like, what's Mike? What's next on Michael Sanders' radar? Is there anything you're curious about exploring? Whether it's learning something new or a new adventure, or what, what's what's on your radar for for the next twelve months? Yeah, man, well, I mean, it pretty much all revolves around uh, Horizon, like my company, and my personal relationships, mainly with my girlfriend and then with friends, you know, and and myself, of course. And with Horizon, it's exploring this new dimension of reality that we're co-creating and how it will unfold, because I'm so excited to see the applications and how we can help one another and help humanity and hopefully help the earth as well through these experiences and I don't know exactly how it will unfold but what we want to do is show people that it can be fun mm-hmm. and these like esoteric concepts complex ideas they can be really enjoyable and beneficial mm-hmm. um, and so yeah as I mentioned I don't think it's not just gaming this new dimension like it's a new dimension that's going to include commerce and relationships and exploration. Well, and we were talking about this earlier off the camera that yeah. this new online thing is actually you know entering the matrix where people can buy stuff online, create avatars, and eventually we're gonna have virtual reality, and then eventually yeah. there's probably gonna be a chip or a plug-in that goes into the back of our head, almost like the matrix where we're like in it, feeling it, living it. Which then what we talked about was more 
makes us more believe that we're already in it right now. Yeah. And we should be creating another level of it, like Inception, like the movie Inception. Yeah. Or like Russian dolls that, yeah, that Russian are stacked dolls. inside one another and create another layer. And I think that's like a really cool aspect of this, what I, like, because I consider three-dimensional three experience on planet Earth like the most wonderful video game that exists, you know? And, and then I think it's like, there's playing the game, kind of, and then there's creating a game that then goes beyond the game, right? And that's what I think we, the consciousness does, is like mm-hmm. layers and layers. So traveling, friends, experiences. Okay, and I guess just in closing, maybe before um, we go, any recent movie or books that uh, really uh, inspired you, that you recommend in the last little while? I actually recently watched this documentary about Taylor Swift, which yeah. I, I love. I didn't know anything about her. Like, Obviously, I'd heard the name, but to my knowledge, I'd never heard one of her songs. I'm sure I had somewhere, but I didn't know what they were. And um, she was just like a really inspiring and like down-to-earth human who's on this like massive stage in terms of fame, like how many people know her. And just kind of like the journey of her life and revealing the insecurities that she deals with, which, you know, I'm, I'm acutely aware of the fact that every human has issues, you know? So, like, I would have never thought that she's living a perfect life, that contemplation wouldn't have entered my awareness. But I just, I love the way she's putting it out there, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's any propaganda involved in it. It's, like, part of something, I don't know. But it just, it was, like, a cool, inspiring story about someone that I had no frame of, like, I didn't have any preconceived notions about her to begin with. Mm-hmm. And but just an inspiring story about like somebody coming up in the world and from a young age and like this interesting phenomenon that seems to happen with a lot of celebrities that there's this saying that if you become like extremely famous, you get stuck emotionally at the age you became famous at. So it's like if you get famous at the age of 15, like emotionally you're 15 until like until you have a massive breakthrough or like something happens or breakdown or breakdown, right? So. That was uh, That's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. I, I did not think that like <laughs> someone asked you after this conversation, like, what's your what's an inspiring documentary? It's one about Taylor Swift. But I would, that's just what's at the top of my mind. Cool. That was really good. Yeah. And I'm also I'm reading um, about Steve Jobs right now, his book, and he's like a very polarizing figure for many, but it's just it's cool to see like someone executing a vision and then also learning about maybe how you would go about it differently. Um, but also seeing like the massive impact he had on the world and just he was just like a really fascinating individual I I think like I love the the fact how transparent you are because some people would feel maybe embarrassed not the right word but like not want to share like do I watch a Taylor Swift documentary (laughs) or like Steve Jobs But I think what's important is that like you can learn from every single human being on the totally. planet, and it doesn't mean that you want to be like them or or yeah. like or like their number one fan. Mm-hmm. Like I was referenced this documentary that I watched on Donald Trump, which yeah. changed my life. Nice. And it wasn't like that I, I love Donald Trump or I hate mm-hmm. Donald Trump. I'm pretty neutral towards Donald Trump. Yeah, I think he said some pretty interesting things. Yeah. I think we have a lot to learn from him. Yeah. I think he's doing some things that are good, some things that are bad. I think like I don't even know how much of what he does is like staged and yeah. on purpose I no but the one thing that stood out the most was I realized that no matter what was happening in his life he had this like laser focus on like 
sticking with the vision. So like things are falling down the '90s, the Trump thing, and people ask him, he's like, "No, it's gonna be super successful. Like I really believe in what we're doing, and it's gonna be a great success." Mm-hmm. And he would never waver. He would never say, "Oh, times are tough." Or would, yeah. like his, the way he would talk and the way he would sort of execute like where he was going, mm-hmm. he always stuck with it, on all the way to becoming president. And I was like, "Wow, like that, there's something there. Like if I can use that same focus and determination on things that are like important to me, like what I'm trying to create here, it's like, wow, what a lesson." That was one of the turning points when like this place sort of shifted. Was like how do you watch a Donald Trump oh, documentary? Yeah, and like people have consciousness, you know, yeah, that are yeah. into like, consciousness and awareness, spirituality. Like most of them have very negative things to say about Donald Trump. So when I bring that up, they're like, "What the fuck?" Like they're they're shocked. But I'm like, I'm not saying I love Donald Trump. Yeah. I learned something from him. Definitely, you know, and you can learn something from every Everybody. single person. So thank you for sharing that you yeah. know, I'm going to go watch the Taylor Swift documentary now and, and I've been wanting to read more about Steve Jobs because I find them all super interesting like, yeah well think about the influence he's had on this world like how many people are walking around with an Apple product of one form or another changed like, the whole world yeah, how forever did, how did he do or how the did they do that the world will never be the same he's one guy that definitely changed the world in a way that will never be the same yeah and I think a positive way yeah me too obviously there's there's pros and cons to everything, right? But overall, I think he did something incredible and wonderful. Um, last question: any any apps or like gadgets or technology that you use to like um, optimize your time, your life, your functionality? Mm. Well, I mean, Sky Rebirth, the game. Um, in terms of, uh, I guess, like honestly. Do not disturb <laughs> like it. on my phone is a big one. Like I think, yeah, I think having your phone on silent and on do not disturb. So that's like when it's time to shut it off, it's off, like don't bother me. Yeah, and like during the day when I'm focused on a particular task to not get interrupted by something that isn't the task that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's used at th- different times. Um, Have you read Deep Work by Calvin Ford? No. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just because, like, you know, context switching is there's a huge load that it takes on us. The like, book talks all about like going deep and going shallow and yeah. yourself all these things you cannot like really get no. that depth of focus into Th- something. I mean, there's some things like I'll know if I'm doing just like as an example, doing budgeting planning, for example. It, it takes me like 30 minutes of just kind of like looking at the screen and like looking at the information before I do anything. Like do it. And they talk about that. I'm just like, like um, I can't remember the exact word they use, but it's like um, there's like this integration period between tasks mm-hmm. where your mind is still halfway in the yeah. other. And it, it's like you have to like, there's like a residue yeah. of like thought residue of like what you were thinking about. Yeah. So imagine like you're trying to work on something in Facebook and then this phone call and then that. Like, because there's a residue from everywhere it's just like how much focus do you have exactly um, yeah so that's a really good one and it's simple yeah it's really simple um, so yeah thank you for sharing that a couple more I really like for teams for example I like Notion um, it's like a Trello or like a no it's like it's kind of like a, a wiki it's like a collective wiki that you can organize very well into different channels and everyone can collaborate on it together so it's like a great central warehouse for all of a company's information okay. um, so that you can know anything about it um, and then like I use Asana for like tasks and time management which I think is quite similar to Trello at least conceptually mm-hmm. um, 
and then like Discord for communication. Discord is um, it's kind of like the gaming world's equivalent of Slack. Okay. But I think a lot of businesses are starting to go. I think Discord Discord is better than Slack. Like it just is, and um, I think Discord will be like kind of what everybody ends up using. I imagine. So yeah, those two ways of going. And are you active on social media websites? If you want to get a hold of you, check out your book. Yeah, like just, just go to michaelsanders.co. .co and then that has links to everything. Stuff, your blogs, yeah. yeah. Really interesting guy. Check him out. Love this guy. Became good friends. Uh, probably be friends in past lives. Definitely. Probably be friends forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so check him out. He's a really good guy. And stay tuned for Skyweaver. Mm-hmm. Is there a launch date yet? You mentioned uh, open beta. Yeah, open beta will be later this year. Not going to give a date, but it's skyweaver.net. Yeah, so your name on the waiting list or yeah. the newsletter or whatever. Yeah, there's, there's a waiting list to play. There's a private beta right now, so you can be one of the testers. It's, it's a long waiting list, but like you definitely will get in at some point. And um, yeah. Cool. Check that out. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, subscribe, like, follow, share if you feel called to. If anything resonated in this podcast, anything we talked about, said, or did, look into it more. I mean, this is probably something there for you. It could have just been a spark of curiosity, a feeling in your heart, um, maybe one of you know, Michael's experiences that he shared in psychedelics, who knows? Um, but if you do, we're not, we're not promoting the use of psychedelics in any way. Um, they're still legal in most countries, so air with caution, go to a place like if you want to do ayahuasca, somewhere where it's legal, psilocybin, so go to Jamaica, it's on TV and all these amazing TV shows that are talking about it. Mm-hmm. But do your research, make sure it's safe for you, do your due diligence, don't listen to us. Um, crazy psychonauts over here (laughs) (laughs) but love you guys thank you for listening thank you Michael and uh, yeah talk soon peace